You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Spider-Man has been one of my favorite superheroes since I was a kid. It's ever since I've been a kid that I've learned that with great power comes with great responsibility. In recent memory with the MCU, we've seen Spider-Man go to homecoming. We've seen him stray far from home. And now he is no way home. In today's episode of Systematic Geekology, we're going to be diving into what we like about Spider-Man No Way Home, what we wish would be different, and what impact this has in Spider-Man in the MCU. Um, This episode is primarily for intermediate level, so if you don't know anything about Spider-Man, I would suggest watching Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3 with Tobey Maguire, as well as Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 as well as (laughs) Homecoming and Far From Home from the MCU. Yeah, it'll take a while. Um, This is episode 25 of Systematic Geekology, and we are the priests of the geeks. Um, Not that we're all ordained ministers per se, that we mean priests in the biblical sense of being mediators. Um, Again, welcome. Uh, My name is Dan Stoyer, a.k.a. Superfan Dan. I am super stoked about this episode because I am the Spider-Man avatar on the logo. And recently, I got to say, guys, I have one of the best wives on Earth here because um, we recently went to Build-A-Bear and we're planning on doing a date in a couple months where we build the bears. And they have Bowser, Yoshi, but they also have Harry Potter stuff now as well as Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. And the bear that I'll be doing, if it's still there, is the Spider-Man themed <laughs> bear, of course. Nice. And I hope it's still there when we go in a couple months. Nice. I am Joshua Knoll. I am a fourth-year biblical study student at North Greenville University. And I actually, after watching this movie, I've read, just in the last couple of days, five different Spider-Man graphic novels, just like <laughs> going to the bathroom, waiting in line, you know, wherever I'm at. I got comics ology on my phone and I'm like, I'm just reading all of it, man. Uh, I am Joe. I am a broadcaster and marketer. Um, and I have been a Spider-Man fan since the nineties, like a lot of people my age coming in with the yeah. cartoon and all of that. Um, so I, I knew as soon as I saw this movie that I was going to have to <laughs> jump in on this. Well, what oh, was yeah. funny was just me and Josh that was going to do this episode. And then when the movie aired, Joe's like, I got to get in on this. And <laughs> I say the more, the merrier. Yeah, the way people were talking, I was expecting like, Alex and Will and like half the host to just jump in this because <laughs> this had so much meat on the bone, so much to talk about. That's which for sure. we're gonna get into it now. It's time for our main subject. If you haven't seen it, spoilers will begin here. <laughs> it's time for Spider-Man: No Way Home or the Daredevil sequel, if you prefer. Whichever you want to call it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, he just made that small, small scene. And I was just like, from that moment until the end of the movie, I was just like, I, that put me like up and I just never got off that high. I was like, this is the best thing. <laughs> I love Charlie Cox series. When he showed up as Matt Murdock, I was like, that was one of my favorite scenes, Um which, yeah, so that's what we want to talk about first, because that's the fun things to talk about. What scenes, what parts did y'all like the most? Uh, Joe, 
did you have anything stood out to you? Yeah. So, um, again, being a product of, of my age and time, um, I, Toby Maguire's Spider-Man is, is just garbage for me. Uh. No, you're again, <laughs> Olympic levels of wrongness. It's, it, but, but the, the beauty I will say about all of this, like the, this whole movie is that it gave something to every single era of Spider-Man fan. You know what I mean? Like that first half of the movie was very much for the Tom Holland fans. And then everything else after was for the fans of, you know, the better Spider-Man that was probably getting a chance to see all of those guys together on the screen was really, really special for me as far as what I, what I love the most about it. But there was one thing in particular that really stood out when they had the scene where, you know, he's gonna, uh, Tom Holland is gonna, you know, get rid of the green goblin, you know, kill him and all that kind of stuff. I'm like this, this whole, throughout that whole piece, I'm like, they are going to give the moral high ground to Disney's Spider-Man. Like they're, they're just, they're going to give the moral high ground to him and, and talk about how much better he is than the other, than the other two. But when they had him have that teachable moment with Mm -hmm. The other Spider-Man, the one that didn't have that, I was like, oh, okay, that was that was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, he got to learn from the mistakes of an alternate dimension version of himself. I was like, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, I wish I could have that, you know? <laughs> uh, Dan, what about you? What, what stood out to you? Oh, man, it's, where do I begin? I mean... This movie is, was just fantastic from beginning to end. Um, and it shows in the box office numbers where it made $260 million in the States, which was only second to Endgame, and it made $600 million worldwide. So those numbers are just mind-boggling to me. <laughs> but um, for me, of course, everyone likes this scene where Toby and Andrew come into the movie. I was freaking out like I was five. And I was lucky to be in a movie theater that was just as crazy about that. Um, but for me, um, part of me likes the amazing Spider-Man films. I know they have their flaws, but um, yeah, second I, best franchise. Yeah, but I, <laughs> whatever. Um, the scene that really got me was in Amazing Spider-Man Two when Gwen falls to her death and Andrew can't save her because I had my wife watch through all of the movies before she went to No Way Home, which she thanked me because she told me she would have been completely lost on some of the things that <laughs> happened in No Way Home. Yeah. And she actually loved Gwen because Gwen is the one that makes the serum for to cure Lizard, and she's the one that turns, off the, turns on the power grid for the city in the second one. So it was really cool to see MJ fall and to not have Tom save her, but Andrew. And just that redemption or that redeeming part of that story for just Andrew Spider-Man just really got to me for some reason. Like I loved how they did it. And what's crazy is that on Twitter, it's trending that fans want amazing Spider-Man three with Andrew Garfield. Yeah. I'm one so of them. his performance was just off the charts for, I guess most of the fans that watched it, not everyone, obviously, but most of them. I, one of my big takeaways really was, Actually, because, you know, I I joke about things, you know, I'm whatever. The fact that just and I didn't expect this, even though I knew it was going to be a multiverse kind of movie, I didn't expect 
it to open things up where I'm like, okay, none of them are the Spider-Man. It's like, it allowed me to appreciate the other ones more. So I was like, okay, somehow just being able to be like, well, that's just a different version makes everything like "Mm, you can mess up whatever you want in that world. Now I don't care. (laughs) It's just a different version. (laughs) Well, that's the thing about, about a comic book stuff to begin with. There is no definitive version. Like what one person's definitive version is not another person's definitive version, especially with comic book stuff. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So for, for me, I, some of the earliest things I ever read were Captain America and the like original black and white Spider-Man comics. So I have in my head, this is what it's supposed to be like. He's supposed to be the high school kid. It's supposed to be roses and sunshine and fun until it's not until the dark things happen. And, and it's funny. I've actually had this conversation a lot with one of my good friends who did the same thing with Spider-Man and had the same complaints about the older movies. And our big thing is that it is hard to do Spider-Man in movie format because it takes so long to earn those emotional moments, right? Like Gwen dying just doesn't have the same impact unless you've grown with the character for a while. And the darkness that you do eventually see in Peter Parker, it's like it, it's earned. And that's one thing I really enjoyed about this is we've seen the roses. We've seen the sunshine. We've seen all the happy moments. And then we got to see it all crumbled down. And then we got to see those jaded versions of himself come in and speak life into that moment and speak hope. And I was like, that's, I don't know that that to me, that's what this whole movie was about is all the, the good days will crumble, right? It's not always going to be happy times. And sometimes, and this is for me, and maybe it's just because I'm cynical about myself, but just that idea of there is a place for the jaded versions of us to still help those who haven't experienced this kind of pain before. And that's something that I really enjoyed about this movie. It's just kind of a, they brought that out. They didn't tiptoe around it. They brought the emotional aspect out and put it Mm. forefront. And I was like, you know, I don't care how you feel about any of these characters, that is just a beautiful picture. I mean, for me, just the uh, Marvel movies as a whole with Spider-Man, it just feels like it was an origin story for the MCU's Spider-Man. I mean, yeah. it was kind of cool to see him try to be an Avenger and all this other <laughs> stuff that you've never really seen in Spider-Man before, yeah. at least in movies. But to see it basically reset to ground zero, basically, like... Joe said he's going to be a poor <laughs> guy that has to pay rent. <laughs> That's the only thing I wish at the end of the movie. I wish they showed the guy from Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. That, that yeah, I was thinking that too, actually. <laughs> rent? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's just really cool just seeing it come uh, full circle. And I heard a really bad take that uh, someone thinks that Tom Holland should stop being Spider-Man because he's 25 in real life. And I'm like, this is the perfect time. For him to be <laughs> Spider-Man at this age, yeah. because we've seen him in high school a lot. It's fun to see him in college, post-college. And that's what I like a lot about the Spider-Man PS4 video game. It's because in that game, he's 23. He has a bachelor's nice. degree. He works with Dr. Octavius as a grad student, all that stuff. And that's what made the game fun for me, is that you got out of the high school phase and kind of into this college, post-college phase where he's still Spider-Man and still like learning oh, yeah. how to live life at the same time. Which that was one thing I really liked that I'd like to hear Joe's take on was 
I so in comics, I don't I don't want to say currently, but more recently, you had a long period of time where uh, Peter was a professor. And to me, Toby's in this very much came off as that version of Peter Parker from the comics where I was like, I know that Peter, like I've recognized that. Is that uh did that come off the same to you? Like he he's kind of grown into that version of Spider-Man? Yeah, um I think it it with his portrayal, it almost gave like the the older brother sort of vibe yeah. to the two of them. Like I did not realize that I would enjoy a scene where three people have played Spider-Man and then are <laughs> on the screen dissecting the character of Peter Parker for everybody to watch. Oh, man, I'm like that that was wonderful. It really is. Yeah. This is uh, so to give to give you how this how much I love this movie, the, the I it's one of the few movies that for me with a superhero flick competes with Spider-Man 2. Like I, I would I would put it in that same kind of tier. I, I'm not sure. I, I think you guys probably are more of the crowd of this is the best thing since sliced bread. I definitely don't even think that this is the best MCU movie, but I do I do think that it is it belongs like it earned its spot to be up in that upper tier category. You know what I mean? Uh, it's in oh, my yeah. top three. It's definitely not my favorite MCU movie. Um just in case it's not clear, I did not like Spider-Man 1 and 2 um, with Toby, but I, I, that is, I, I think it is exclusively because I am way too over-attached to the comic origin Spider-Man story, and it's unnecessary, and being able to detach yourself from that allows you to enjoy things more. Don't be like me, kids. <laughs> um, Yeah, but I... Which I think that's one reason I enjoy this current iteration is that they just kind of skipped the origin. So I couldn't be upset about that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, seeing all the different versions was cool. Yeah. And just seeing them as they've progressed as themselves. Yeah, it was cool. Um, What about you, Dan? Is it is it your favorite MCU movie? <laughs> I mean, my Facebook status after I saw this movie was, this is the best MCU movie, Spider-Man movie, and I wish I could dress <laughs> as a cool youth pastor. Yeah, I mean, that line still yeah. got me in the movie. Um, I, it's, it's my favorite just because of the nostalgia. Um, but thinking back on it, I'm going to tie it with my favorite, which is Thor Ragnarok. I just have a blast with that movie still. Yeah, that's also my top three. I, I still love Thor Ragnarok, but Spider-Man No Way Home is definitely up there for me. And even though I love it, I mean, there's still some flaws in the movie that I wish that would have been explored. Like, for instance, when the villains realize they don't want to be cured and they escape and then Aunt May gets killed. I'm like, where do they go? <laughs> they they yeah. just disappear while the Peters are working out some secret formula to help cure them. I mean, what's going on for that hour? They That's just right. They're sightseeing. What are they doing? Okay, so... Captain America Winter Soldier is my favorite. Then Thor, Ragnarok, and this are like, uh, they're jostling. I need to see this again before I can really make up my mind. Yeah. Uh, but if, if we're talking about things we would change, this, uh, I don't even know how you would change this. This is my only problem with this movie. I think it would be a perfect movie, except for there's this giant logic problem for me. It does not matter if you cure them all, because when they said that they were going, to, like where they were when they appeared, Doc Ock is literally drowning. I don't care how good of a person he is now. He will still drown. Like that was completely useless for all of these. 
And unless you're going to tell me that these other Spider-Man are also about to die, why are they here? I don't understand. <laughs> unless this was their last moment of being alive, it doesn't fit. Well, I don't think they ever meant to outline that the same the same parameters applied for the Spider-Man. That then why are they, they both. Here? Just because they were called, because they know okay. they know that Peter Parker is Spider Man, and it follows the same the same logic. It's not necessarily it a coincidence there's way that bigger, the others were about to die. Um, I mean, they def so thematically they clearly wanted it to be the redemption story of the other two Spider Men, but yeah. w- from a from a actually sitting down and trying to figure out the logic of the movie, I mean. Yeah, I guess, but I guess it's it was just a coincidence. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, that's not something that is necessarily um, super well addressed. I just don't think that the same parameters land for the same or for the for the Spider-Man. That's the kind of dumb thing that always bothers me, like in um, Star Wars. uh, What was it? The Last Jedi, which I actually really enjoyed. I know that that's a whole debate in of itself. But one of my biggest problems with this is that they said Godspeed. There was no establishment that there was a God before that movie. And that really bothered me. <laughs> and that's just one of those like useless details that my brain just hatches onto. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. When oh, I think yeah. of your criticism, Josh, I don't know if they're taking the logic after Loki <laughs> where they, a new thing happened. So a new timeline was that's right. They made, could be variants. Yeah. A new timeline was made because of their cured now and got sent back that way. I mean, Hmm. It doesn't not really explained either. I mean, that's another thing I didn't like. They just got sent back. We have no idea what happens. I want to see more. That was the thing. Of all three iterations now, I'm like, there, there needs to be more movies. I need to know more of each of these universes. <laughs> oh, man. Joe, was there anything you would change? Yeah, so my, my top two complaints were, okay, so I understand, and I've come to the point that everybody's Spider-Man is somebody's Spider-Man. Like, every Spider-Man is somebody's Spider-Man. We need to not gatekeep and and stuff like that. <laughs> Sorry, but Josh, but <laughs> we um that first half hour or so of the movie was just so aimless and just for me did not hit because Disney Spider Man is not that's the current generation Spider Man. Just like Tobey Maguire was my generation's Spider Man. That kind of happy-go-lucky, and we're all in high school, and we're all going to go to college together. And the big dramatic kissing with a couple of people that are supposed to be teenagers. Let's not hoot and holler too awful much. (laughs) They're teenagers. I'm just saying. I know they're not in real life, but in the movie, they are teenagers. I'm just saying. Um, But that, to me, once we got down to, okay, this is what the movie is. This is what we're actually doing in this movie. Once it got to that point, bam, off to the races. Now we're cooking with gas. But it just was so meandering to get to that point. My other biggest thing was, I'm going to go after it, the the uh, <laughs> the Aunt May death scene. It wasn't earned. Her when what? she no when she what when, there was no emotional connection. I did not care. I was the second that she said that said that line with with that scene to me. It's almost like you guys with what you guys have been have expressed with with how much you guys 
are 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 so attached to a particular version of Spider-Man or you have nostalgia feels or you have that kind of connection like that, right? For me, like with the 90s cartoon and with the Tobey Maguire series and just what you know, people know that line without knowing Spider-Man. It's so synonymous with with the character. And so to me, I have this whole thing of, okay, we all know, just like we know about the pearls dropping, just like we know about Krypton, that doesn't mean you need to show it 87 times. I'll agree with you, Josh. I actually really like that they didn't show Uncle Ben dying again. Like I was, we all get it. We know Uncle Ben died. We get, we understand. And honestly, to me, I don't think you do better than better than than the Toby, the first uh, Spider-Man movie in live action with a depiction of Uncle Ben's death. So yes, maybe this is my version of no, no. That's this is I know what this is supposed to look like. That's not what this is. So I don't like it. But even like my wife has seen all of all of those movies. Like after they not in the same kind of manner that I did, she saw some of is like around the time a little bit, but like not in the same kind of diehardness that I did. Um, and so we she even looked over at me and was like, what? Like, I don't. And like it just was such a needless thing to happen in the scene that like and part of it is for me is that. Next to no character interaction in the first one, maybe a little bit more in the second one. Bam, she's three quarters of the movie in the third one. And it was just such, such to me, flew in the face of everything else that the rest of the movie did right. The rest of the movie didn't placate. Like it did not uh, pander to any one particular group of fans. You know, I will say, if you didn't see Spider-Man, one, I guess one, two, and three, you you were probably pretty lost in this movie. You probably could have gotten away with not watching Ama- Amazing Spider-Man. They, you know, so there is that, but the, it it so wasn't pandering with that this one scene that to me was so pandering. And so, like, we need to shove this line in here and we need to shove in an emotional response that wasn't actually, like, build up on or anything. Like, it just happens. And then she's dead. I, yeah, I find that really interesting. Um, for me, I, for the last, I guess she's been in five movies now that I've been really attached to the character. I loved her. I had no idea this was coming. So I had shock i had you know someone i was attached to as far as a character goes and i this is probably one of i would say less than five times i've ever had a east a tear in the theater where i was like wow that was just such an impactful moment to me so i thought it was i thought it was cool but i do understand where if you're not as attached and you have other versions just like you know with me and the origins it makes sense yeah um for me i think after listening to Joe's point, he kind of has a good point and that I didn't see Aunt May dying either. Um, and I was attached to her as well. But then Joe kind of reminded me she doesn't really show up that much. <laughs> I was, like She does, but then again, she doesn't. And I guess for me, I always like to compare the Spider-Man PlayStation 4 game because to me that felt like a movie and how it was portrayed and how you play it. 
And when Aunt May died in that one, I felt more emotional with that one than I did with No Way Home, at least initially on initial feedback. But that's just that's just my two cents with that. Yeah. And it didn't hurt also that I came in with almost no expectations. So I just whole emotional roller coaster <laughs> for this movie. <laughs> I want to talk about that real quick. I really think that I really think that with this one, don't don't come in. You know, if I think if you don't come in with any expectations, I think you will have almost nothing but really pleasant surprises back to back to back to back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if they're listening to this at this point, it's too late, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do not like their version of MJ. However, after I watched the movie, I threw the quote up on my Facebook of "If you expect to be disappointed, you will not be disappointed." Yeah, I and read I think that. I'm like, why is Josh this putting this down? I've got to figure it out. And right when the line was said, I thought of you <laughs> when I was in the movie. Yeah, I feel like it was great advice for this movie. Expect to be disappointed. It really was. Blow your mind because I can <laughs> I can see that this I can see this movie going the same falling the to, into the same exact trap that WandaVision did. WandaVision was a good series. The fans were the ones that that had the biggest problem with that with that oh, series yeah. because it was Mephisto. so much Yeah, is this Mephisto? Is that Mephisto? Are we doing this or are we doing that? I really think it's one of those movies or or one of those series that if you just stop and take in all of the absurdity that's happening in front of you, I think that's when that movie or that I think that's when that sh- that show gets to shine at its absolute best. Um, and and, and it's, like, like I said, that same kind of deal with this. There's just so much going on that if you stop trying to telegraph it and be like, OK, does that mean is now when it's going to happen or did they actually mean this or was it this? And you <laughs> just take it in for what it is. Beautiful. I. I'm going to slightly counter that, but not fully. Um, I, I think that a lot of the what ifing is a ton of the fun for me. Like, I love going, okay, what if Mephisto isn't it? I was one of those. I enjoy doing that. I think the time you get disappointed is when you expect to be right. It's one thing to be like, man, it would be so cool if this happened and to like, you know, theorize. But then the moment you expect it to happen and then you're mad that it didn't happen that way. I'm like, okay, guys, stop. Just, you know, stop. Like, uh, I would have loved to have been around when everyone was trying to guess whether or not Luke really was Vader's son. You know, like, we're like, I wish I was there for that time in history and <laughs> geek history. But uh, that being said, uh, it's time to start moving, moving along a little bit towards the end here. Uh, we do want to recommend you guys, if you want to just talk Spider-Man with us, uh, tell us who's right or wrong about which Spider-Man or who you like the most. Tell us that Andrew Garfield is the only one and we're all dumb. Uh, you can go to Facebook, the Priest of the Geeks group. We're on there all the time. We love chatting on there. Join us there. It'll be fun. All right. Uh, that being said, uh, if you had to rate this movie zero to ten, what would you guys put it at? Oh, for me, it's still a ten out of ten. I'll, I'll take the nostalgia. I'll take all of it. I'll put it right up there as my next favorite movie, up to Thor Ragnarok. It's something I can't wait to watch again. Um, unfortunately, my sister cannot go with me, so I told her anytime she wants to go, I will gladly go and I will gladly go and see it with her, and then watch her expressions anytime that Toby and Andrew show up on the screen. <laughs> yeah, I think that 
I think that that that's one of the be- the most beautiful things about this movie is if you can have if you had that good um theater experience and you get a chance to see people's reaction to when Toby comes on screen, when Andrew Garfield comes on screen, when all of these guys come on the screen, I think that's one of the one of the most magical parts of this movie is that live person experience. Um, I, I gotta be honest with you guys. I was just so so in awe from the, again from the moment that Matt Murdock came on. I have no idea what anyone else in that theater was doing. <laughs> I was just stunned. <laughs> yeah. Um. So for me, I would I go back if 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 I'm in a good mood, I'll give it an eight point five. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit maybe a little bit higher than that. You know, on a on a really good day. Um, I'll take it from you. <laughs> if I'm feeling particularly cynical, this movie doesn't fall below an eight. You know what I mean? And right. that's that's saying something. You know what I mean? Like I think that that's I think that this is a very well done piece of media. If even if I there are parts of it that I think like some some fat that could definitely get trimmed. Well, for me, I have a total of only three movies that I'm willing to give a ten. And that is the only reason this does not get a 10 is because it does not measure <laughs> up to those three, uh, which if you're wondering, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Star Wars, A New Hope, Captain America, Winter Soldier. That's a high standard. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to put this at a nine and a half. I just cannot believe how much I loved it. I've never felt this much emotion in a single movie. It was great for me. All right. That is fantastic, guys. And. I think one of the reasons why I love this show so much is that we try to find ways to take these movies and geek culture into the biblical mindset. And uh, just for me, when I thought this movie, I thought of the very end with the whole reset thing where Spider-Man went up to Doctor Strange and said, hey, we have to do this. And it was Peter Parker himself saying it and not someone forcing him to do it. And for me, that's just like becoming a Christian. Like we have the Christian story in front of us. It's our choice whether to follow Jesus. And if we make that decision on our own and follow Jesus, our life will never be the same. And that can look different depending on different people. And for me, when I think of resetting, I think of Noah's Ark in the Bible. I think of Jesus dying on the cross and resetting that. Um, For me, the the person in the Bible that really opened my eyes to this comparison was Saul when he became Paul and just quick, quick history lesson. But with Saul, he was someone that was a Jew that persecuted Christians for following Jesus. And he thought he was doing the right thing. And then he went to Damascus. Jesus, God appeared. He went blind for three days and then he changed his life towards Jesus and became one of the most well-known missionaries, at least in the Bible. And just seeing his life do a 180, kind of resetting his life on a different path than when he was going on, just shows us that God can just change anything and anybody if we allow that to happen. And that, for me, just was the biggest take home for me. What about you guys? I'm going to build off of what you said here. Um, Because, and this is me being a bit of a Bible geek, I suppose. Um, So Saul, whose name was also Paul, uh, in the Bible, says both of those are his name. He starts going by Paul once he starts doing ministry. And what's interesting to me about that is when he, before he does his reset, as what Dan talked about, 
his whole identity is wrapped up in being this religious, high-minded. He is Saul. That's a good, strong Jewish name. Then once he starts reaching other people who aren't Jewish, he starts going by his Roman name because that's more familiar to them. And to me, that's just so impactful that you would change your very identity to help people more. And what, what's, what did the Spider-Man say in this, right? It's, that's, who, that's what we do. We help people. That's what we do. So I just, I thought that was really impactful. Just being willing to change yeah. literally anything about yourself just to help somebody. So I thought that was really cool. What about you, Jeff? Yeah, there's, there's such a theme of identity when you look at this movie. And, you know, for me, that's something that I experienced firsthand. And especially for me coming, coming later to the cross, and, and it's something that I I try and I try and minister and, and try and push forward because I think that that's so, I think it's so key and integral into understanding the relationship that we have with God, because we, by the grace of God, don't have the same identity anymore. You know, I, I, there's a reason why Amazing Grace is my one of like my favorite hymn, if not one of my favorite songs, because that's exactly the deal and that we were a thing. And then by the grace of God, we are no longer this thing and it has nothing to do with us. So so to see that portrayal of the significance of, like you said, Josh, Changing your identity and having that reset, like that is, that was a whole other level that I've really vibed with this movie on at the end of it, because that is a process that every single one of us, if we are Christians, have had to go through. Which, so yeah, I just keep building on you guys, man. I that that was the other thing, right? The different levels of jadedness, age, different experience of these three characters at the end, right? Right. And yet they all identify with that's what we do. I, I love that. That's what we do. Right. And I'm like, man, that how how true is that of Christians, right? We have such different personalities within the kingdom, where you have like you do have your happy go lucky people, and you have people who've been through hell and back. And at the end of the day, we can look at the kingdom work and say, that's what we do. Yeah. And yeah. I, I just, I love that line. Yeah. And just being, being a Christian, it also says in the Bible that you become a new creation in Christ once you are saved. And I really resonated with that when Peter goes back and sees MJ and Ned and he knows them, but they don't necessarily, they don't know him just like when you're saved and you know your friends who aren't saved, but the way you're acting now, they don't really know you back. So it's it's something that new Christians deal with all the time, but in the long run, you find out that it's worth traveling this road. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, yeah, to if one more thing with, with this, it, you know, uh, there's a, to build off of all of this, there is a process that takes different forms in different levels of severity and different things for different for different Christians. But it's this whole idea of redemption. When you are shedding that identity, there is a redemption process that has to go through, that has to, that has to be lived out. 
Yes, when you are when when you enter into that relationship, you aren't necessarily um you aren't necessarily, you know, doing the work. It's not like that. That's not what I mean. But there is a shedding, a process of shedding the old self that needs to happen as we enter into the kingdom. So to be able to see this person that was, you know, doing the best that they could by their merits that they had at that time, <laughs> and then watching somebody else have, making that mistake and stepping in and being able to talk to them, to be able to intercede, that to me was uh, like I said at the beginning, that was the scene for me because that's just that's redemption at its absolute truest form. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. And then my, my last my last Bible take from the movie, <laughs> they talk about they don't use this phrase or forget the phrase they use, but they can't talk about counting the cost. And that whole thing where Jesus is like, count the cost, take up your cross and follow me. And, you know, a lot of people like to forget the t count the cost part. But, man, Toby getting stabbed in the back for saving someone or Tom Holland literally losing everyone to save the world. I'm like, man, that is literally what that means is to count the cost. And I don't know, for me, I'm left reflecting, when do I do that, right? When do I count the cost and do the right thing even when it costs me something? And, you know, just looking back at my life and I feel like that's that might be the most important takeaway is really reflecting on that and seeing what chances have you had to do the right thing when it cost yourself? And did you take it? Yeah, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got for that. Yeah, I got nothing more to add. That's a good thing to end on. Yeah. All right, guys. So uh, we do want to leave you guys just with that question. Um, you can go to our website. Let us know what you think. Drop on Facebook. What times in your life have you had to count the cost? Do the right thing even when it costs you something. You know, we, we like to geek, geek out on our social media and stuff, but we also we like to get real. So just let us know if you guys have any thoughts anytime in your life you'd like to reflect on. We'd like to talk to you. On that being said, it is now time for the wrap up. Uh, and we like to start with the recommendations. Uh, Dan, did you have anything you wanted to recommend? Comics, games, anything like that for people listening? Um, Yeah. Um, For me, of course, after I saw this movie, I'm like, I have to get a shirt. So uh, there's a YouTube channel called New Rockstars. They have their own um, merch store. And one of the shirts in the merch store, it says No Way Home. It's the three Spider-Men with Tom Holland. Um, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, and they're doing the pointing meme, which <laughs> I is was really hoping they did that. It's fantastic. So yeah. I already ordered mine, and if you sign up for their newsletter when you order, you get ten percent off that first order. So nice. They got a good collection. Nice, Joe. You got any recommendations for people? Uh, yeah, I've been going through um, Star Trek: The Next Generation. I'm like three quarters of the way through the series, and let me tell you, it is. It will if if you are uh, a Christian that is prone to overthinking situations and really waxing philosophically on different things and things like that. It is a lot of fun to to go through. So I would definitely suggest that. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, for me, I'm gonna do two. I'm gonna break the rules here. I don't think anyone will stop me, so it's fine. 
Um, Go for it. I'm going to recommend, A, if you play games, Web of Shadows, Spider-Man Web of Shadows. Some of the dialogue's awful, but the gameplay is great. You get to make your own decisions in it, and it has different outcomes depending on what you do. A lot of fun there. And, of course, uh, some of this movie was based off of Spider-Man One More Day. It's a graphic novel. Um, if you are familiar with Spider-Man as a character, it's pretty gut-wrenching if you know what's going on. It's very emotionally deep. But it will also lead to you reading more Spider-Man graphic novels to figure out what happens next. So be warned. <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, if you guys want to find me, you can go just look up the whole church podcast on Spotify, wherever. And, uh, you know, me and TJ, one of our other hosts, do that together. It's just a podcast about church unity. Um, and, of course, you can find any of us on systematicecologies.org. You just click host and we have all of our stuff on there. So, yeah. Uh, Joe, what about you? Where can they find where can they find you? Uh, so I co-host a different podcast, Buddy Walk with Jesus. Uh, you can find us on all of the socials as well as anywhere you can find podcasts at Buddy Walk with Jesus. And for me, um, I'm the host of the podcast Finish Last, where we strive to learn how to live like Jesus in the modern world. Um, you can find me on all the social medias, any podcast platform, or you can personally connect with me at finishlastpodcast at gmail.com. That's nice. And of course, uh, the next episode we have, we will be talking about the Matrix series. Uh, I will be back with Reverend Kino will be our other host on that episode. Uh, I think it'll be a fun time for you guys. And go to our website in the description if you want to know what we've been geeking out on or if you want to tell us what you've been geeking out on what we should be geeking out on and remember we are all a chosen people a geekdom of priests this was an anazal ministries podcast if you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network be sure to check out the anazal ministries podcast network